saw him and I closely watched him. I thought how he looked out of place. He came to the woman who sat there beside me. He had a strange look on his face. His big hands were calloused. He looked like a mountain. For a minute I thought I was dead. But he started shaking, his big heart was breaking, he turned to the woman and said, Ghoulish day to my vamps and ghouls. Thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. Those tunes, as always, are courtesy of the amazing country legend Bobby Mackey, and I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. Have you ever driven past a location and get the heebie-jeebies? the chills, goosebumps, a sensation that leaves your spine tingling. Well, if you are ever taking a drive through Franklin Boulevard over in Cleveland, Ohio, which, by the way, back in the day used to be known as Millionaire's Row, that may just happen to you, my friends. There's a beautiful Victorian four-story stone house, and it's not just any house. It, in fact, is a castle, and it has some pretty intense history connected to it. Known as Franklin Castle, it's believed to be the most haunted home in Ohio. And that's no easy feat, as it's also home to places like Prospect Place, the Big Green Castle, the Old Governor's Mansion, James Garfield House, and many others, all that have their own paranormal activity and haunts. Franklin Castle was built in 1881. The four-story butte was built for a German immigrant named Hans Tiedemann. In fact, the house is also known as the Hans Tiedemann Castle. Throughout time, the castle would see many owners. But I'd like to start with the first family. Hans and Louise Tiedemann and their children move in, and they're excited for a new beginning. They finally have their home. I can only imagine this house is being built for you. You're waiting, you're waiting, you want out of wherever you're living. You're there. You finally got it. Well, the family will suffer several tragedies and heartbreaks upon moving into this home. In 1891, the family and the house see its very first death. Hans and Louise's daughter, Emma, she's only 15 years old when she dies due to complications from diabetes. Just a few short weeks later, while the family is still in shock and very much mourning the death of Emma, Hans' elderly mother, Wybeka, who is living with the family, dies with two deaths so close together in one house. The neighbors start to get suspicious of this new family that is on their block. Sadly, the next three years, the family will have to bury three more of their children. Wilhelmine, Ernest, and Albert, they all die in infancy. Louise and Hans, they're absolutely heartbroken and besides themselves. To lose one child is excruciating enough. I truly can't even imagine. One by one, they're losing their children. One, two, three, four. And it started once they moved into this house, into Franklin Castle. Well, Louise, she grows beyond depressed. Hans tries to do things for her to take her mind off of their deceased children. 
he starts renovating the house and with the construction of the house and its new features it looks more castle-like than actual house he adds a ballroom turrets and even gargoyles things are okay for a little while but the family is never the same again on the 24th day of March in 1895, Louise herself dies at the age of 57 years old due to liver disease. She is now reunited with her children that she had missed for so incredibly long. Shortly after Louise dies, Hans moves out of Franklin Castle, marries a younger woman, and goes on with his life. Well, again, the neighbor's suspicion starts to grow. It leaves his former neighbors pondering why. Why did he marry someone else so soon after the supposed love of his life just died? Was there an affair? Was her death intentional? Was Hans not who he portrayed himself to be? And, you know, it depends who you ask. Many thought he was a well-respected, wealthy, prominent man. He was a banker. He was a family man. And he was a caring individual. Others believe him to be a sociopath, a murderer, who would use his castle as a bloody murder chamber. Many rumors and stories are linked to Hans Tiedemann. Whether they are true or not, I can't tell you that. For my crystal ball, it's in the shop. But I can share with you some of the things that I have found. And just remember, there is no proof to validate that these are in fact true or not true. Some of the stories include extramarital affairs, sometimes bringing his lovers to the castle while Louise was even there. But it didn't stop there. Supposedly, he was a sexual deviant who would force sex upon many women, including some of the castle's servants. One ghastly story that is said to have happened at the hands of Hans is that he hanged his own niece in the castle. Word is she was mentally unstable and that Hans walked into one of the rooms one day and found her in bed with a grandchild. He would tolerate many things in his house, but incest? That's not one of them. He hangs her, and when asked why he would do such a horrific thing, he claims it was basically to put her out of her misery. Again, who knows what really happened behind these castle walls, but we do know almost the entire Tideman family did die on the property. In 1908, Hans dies, and he is the last surviving member of the Tideman family. The Mulhauser family purchases the castle, who then sells it to the German Socialist Party in 1913. What was supposed to be a location for parties and get-togethers and meetings and what have you eventually turns into a housing safe haven for Nazis. Legend is that during this time that at least 20 people were murdered in the castle, usually due to political disagreements and what have you. After these deaths, even when the house was vacant, people said that they could still hear screaming coming from within the home. In early 1968, the Romano family, James and his wife and their children, move into Franklin Castle. Through their time living here, they experience several encounters with numerous spirits. James' dream was to convert part of the castle into a restaurant. So mom and dad are busy. They're renovating. They want the kids to be somewhere safe where they don't have to worry about them. So the children, they're sent upstairs to just play. Easy, right? So 
some time goes by when the children come down and they ask mom for some cookies. Can we have an extra cookie? Mom's probably smirking and laughing to herself. <laughs> Those rascals. As she asks the kiddos why. And I don't think she expected the answer they threw her way, which was, A little girl is upstairs crying. They felt the cookie may cheer the mystery guest up. Well, the mom, who I assume is super confused at that point, and perhaps a bit concerned, goes upstairs to investigate the situation, where she finally comes up empty. Nothing out of the ordinary whatsoever. She has more questions than answers. What the hell is happening here? A child crying upstairs. But wait, there's more. Apparently, the Romano kids have been playing with not only the crying girl, but several other children as well. Now remember, the Tideman family had several children, most who died in that house. This may be the spirits of some of them, if not all, of those sweet little children. The ghostly children the parents are unsure of. Children are known to have quite the imagination. Perhaps they created these non-existent children. One thing they do know, though, is this. Even though the Romano family did not own one, nor was there one in the house, but oftentimes they would hear organ music being played throughout the house. They would also hear disembodied footsteps when everyone else would be accounted for. So who's responsible for the unexplained music and the mysterious footsteps? The Romanos, they would have many encounters and experiences while living in this castle. They would constantly hear footsteps on the third floor, and it was menacing and very loud and aggressive, like marching and trampling about. In their eyes, it was a warning, or more like a threat. Do not come on the third floor. Do not come. At least one, probably more unfriendly presences, was felt on the third and fourth floors. One day, a few of their friends came by to visit the family, and the topic of the ghosts on the upper floors came about. Feeling adventurous or curious, the friends, they wanted to go up and check it out. The Romanos shared with them that they didn't think that was the best idea, but the friends, they persisted. They don't even make it up the full flight of stairs when they see what they described a vaporous blanket of fog materialize right before their very eyes. One of the friends steps closer to the fog, and as she does this, she begins to lose her eyesight and nearly faints. The remaining friends yank her back toward them into safety and away from the threatening fog. They search the floor to see if they can find an explanation for the mysterious mist but couldn't find one single thing. They had more questions than answers. In fact, they had no answers. It seems the person who was being affected by these hauntings the most was probably Mrs. Romano. One Halloween night. The phone rings. In the Romano home. It wakes Mrs. Romano out of a deep sleep. She jumps up and sleepily answers the phone. A creepy, gravelly voice responds, asking her if he can sleep with her tonight. Can I sleep with you tonight? 
She screams, throwing the phone in the process. About a week later, she wakes up to find herself sitting in the middle of the room, when obviously last time she knew, she was in the comfort of her bed. The room, it's filled with screams, and apparently she had been screaming for so long that her throat was raw and her voice was hoarse and raspy. Supposedly, there was another scream, screaming with her. One that was not her own. Two of their oldest children experience having something unseen yank their blankets off their beds while they're in them. I mean, something had to change. The family was desperate. They reached out to a paranormal group to see if they can figure out what's going on in the house. The Catholic Church there also reached out to as well, and a priest came over to the castle to conduct an exorcism of the location. It was during this time that the priest shared with them this information, that yes, there are indeed evil spirits here in the house, and unfortunately have proved that they are way too powerful to remove. The priest confirms that the main culprit who has been making Mrs. Romano's life a living hell is none other than Mrs. Tiedman. In fact, not only does she enjoy doing things to scare the family, especially the wife slash mother, but he confirms that there are times she actually will take possession of Mrs. Romano's body her, itself. As for the spirit who storms up and down the stairs and all over the third floor, he confirms that is Emma. Remember, she was the first person to die in the house due to diabetes at age 15. He warns the family that the evil spirits do not accept the Romanos as the homeowners and they are not welcome. Access denied. He requests that for them to remain safe, that they must leave the house. They can't stay here any longer. It will not get better. It's just going to get worse. And they did just that. They left Franklin Castle. It was to the point that the lady of the house was getting physically ill, so much to the point that she felt the house was getting the best of her. Now, my question is this. Why were these spirits of at least Emma and Louise, why were they so evil? You'd think that this was the spirit of Ma Barker or some shit. Why were they so incredibly angry and aggressive? Now with Emma, I could understand you're 15 years old, you die, you didn't really live a life you know, you're confused of how it may have happened. But for Louise, who's a fellow mother, why is she tormenting Mrs. Romano? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Especially seeing that the family didn't even use the third and fourth floors. So the space was basically the spirits. And why did Louise latch on to the mom? I mean, I don't know, just so many questions. But like the Romanos, not many answers. <laughs> Emma is known as the girl in white, besides wreaking havoc on the missus of the house. Louise has also been seen looking out a window in one of the upper stories. Supposedly, this is the room where she died in, and when people go in this room, it's common to experience cold spots. In 1974, the Romano family call it quits, and they leave the haunted castle for good. They sell it to Sam Muscatello. But before this, I must mention that there was a, quite an eerie event that took place in the castle in 1970. One day, the fire department and police department respond to a fire at the castle. When there to access the situation, they found that a man who I believe to be homeless, and he began to start a small fire in every single room. 
That's over 28 rooms. When they ask him why on earth he would do such a bizarre thing, he simply answered by saying that he had to burn the castle down because, quote, It was pure evil. Now, this was four years before it was sold to Muscatello, so I'm unsure if the Romanos were still living in the castle or had found new living arrangements and just, you know, hadn't sold the place yet. Either way, either way, if they were living there at the time, I couldn't find anything on people being in the house besides the man at the time of the incident. Thank God. With the new owner comes new ideas. Where Romano wanted to convert this castle into a restaurant, Muscatello, he wants to convert this bad boy into a church. He knew about its haunted history, and so to help raise the funds that he needed for renovation, he starts offering haunted tours of the castle. People even had the option to stay the night if they so dared to. In 1975, the year after he bought the castle, A grisly discovery. Human bones are found. Many people believe this was a publicity stunt, so more people would come and be interested in visiting the castle. There's nothing to say that this is true, though. What is known is that it was not animal bones, that it was indeed human remains. He would have to be pretty desperate to have to dig up some grave and do something like that. I'm doubting this was any type of stunt. While Sam Muscatello owned the joint, a photographer came over. He took a break from taking pictures and sat on the stairs when he suddenly hears a woman calling his name. Another time a DJ came to get information about the castle for a segment on his station's radio show. While doing so, something unseen rips the large tape recorder from the DJ's shoulder and violently throws it down the stairs, shattering it and completely destroying it. In the early 80s, a woman named Helen lived there, and to this very day, the events that took place in that home when her and her husband lived there still shakes her to her very core. And it seems that Louise Tideman's at it again, folks, as poor Helen would get physically attacked several times, from being pushed and shoved to something far more sinister, such as being pushed down flights of stairs. She would experience bursts of depression as well. Helen wasn't alone. Her husband, he would often hear babies crying from within the castle walls. Now remember, the Tideman children, three children die in infancy. So the family, they bought a tape recorder and they would experiment by putting it down in a room and lock the door. Now, they knew no one was coming in the house and making these sounds and then leaving, but they wanted to be 100% confident that they weren't being pranked of some sort. So they did just that. They would lock the tape recorder up in a room, and they did this throughout many of the rooms in the castle. And the results were bone-chilling, to say the least. Not only did they catch the heartbreaking sound of babies crying, but... The recorder also caught what sounded like older children crying as well. But that wasn't it. Also caught was the muffled voice of a man yelling straight into the recorder. Once Helen herself became pregnant with child, her and her husband knew that they had to leave this place, and they did. Hopefully a much safer home and environment to raise a kiddo. 
Now, sometime in the 80s, a medium came to stay here, and she claimed that Hans visited her in her dreams during her short stay here at the castle, in which he confessed to her that he indeed did commit murders. Again, no proof either way, proving guilt or innocence. And who knows if she was actually, you know, like a legit medium. Many claim he gave money to charities and helped with fundraisers and was as friendly as he can be. I mean, who knows? We've been tricked before, right? Can we talk about Ted Bundy for a second? You know, I mean, he worked on, you know, he was deep in politics. He worked the suicide hotlines. I mean, he was an outstanding dude, but who knows? Looks could be deceiving and actions could be deceiving as well, obviously. Now, in 1984, Judy Garland's fifth and final husband, Michael DeVinco, buys the castle. He spends over $1 million in renovations and worked hard into even searching and tracking down some of the castle's original furniture. He stayed there for about 10 or so years before moving on to greener pastures. The house sits vacant for a few years when a woman finally purchases it. She plans to restore it, but a fire would damper things. Even though extensive and expensive repairs were conducted, the restoration was never to be completed. And at some point, I'm not sure about the timeline on this one, but Cleveland's own chief of police, Richard Hunkisto, calls this place home. His family and him were not there for very long. Whether they found a homier home or had paranormal issues, I couldn't find any information about that or why they moved. During the time tours were conducted here, I'm not sure if this was Muscatello or someone else, but the guide would pass out cards to the visitors, asking them to jot down, you know, anything they see, hear, or smell that's out of the ordinary, something they simply can't explain. While some wrote nothing, losers, just kidding, the guide did get some cards that were filled out. In these cards, he found that some people witnessed seeing a woman in black in the tower room, while others saw a woman in white. Really quick throughout the years, many have seen a woman in the tower room, the woman in black. She is believed to be the Tidemans' maid, Rachel. Legend has it that Hans made advances at her and she turned him down, and it's believed that he strangled her. Many people, upon going into this room, feel a choking sensation and usually leave immediately afterwards. People who've stayed the night here have experienced hearing what sounds like a woman suffocating. When they go up to investigate the situation, no one is there. Now back to the cards. Some would write down that they suddenly became paralyzed, while others found themselves babbling incoherently. Other encounters include hearing babies cry, feeling things, and seeing other apparitions. Another thing people have experienced here throughout the years through different ownerships, which I find more on the annoying side than scary as it's happened to me before, is putting an object down in a certain room. You leave, do whatever you have to do. You come back short later to that particular room to gather that particular object, only to find that oh, it's no longer there. Annoying! <laughs> At Franklin Castle, usually when this happens, the object is found the following day in a completely different room, completely different area of the castle. And yet, another occurrence. People have bore witness to seeing doors fly off their hinges. 
lights turning on and off on their own accord. Chandeliers moving all by themselves, with no wind, breeze, fan, or other movement that would cause such a thing. Unexplained voices are heard in certain rooms. And mirrors fog up for no damn reason. Of course, if this is considered the most haunted home in Ohio, it has to have a long list of haunts and what have you. Besides the legend of Hans Tiedemann possibly being a murderer, another legend is that supposedly, at some point, Hans let a doctor stay here for a brief time and believed that he would experiment on babies. Most would die, and he would put them in the castle's walls. And it is said that 12 babies' bodies were discovered in a secret room. Whether this is true or not, what is true is that for years, many people have heard unexplained baby cries in the house. Even to this day, they are still being heard. So there might be some truth to it. I don't know. In 2004, construction workers make an eerie discovery. Bones in the wall. Adult or baby? I don't know. But tests do prove that they are indeed human remains and not animal. Further testing provides them with the information that the bones are very old and very brittle, and well over 100 years old. Now, this would bring us back to the time when Hans lived there. Maybe something sinister really did occur when it comes to Hans. If you're a fan of paranormal shows, you may have seen an episode or two even featuring Franklin Castle. The first televised paranormal investigation to take place in Franklin Castle is Nick and Katrina's show on Destination America's Paranormal Lockdown. The duo, they stay locked up within the haunted walls for 72 whole hours. Nick, he shows his excitement to investigate Ohio's most haunted home. Quote, the anticipation of getting to this location is driving me crazy. It's been 15 years to come to this location. And this is what Katrina had to say. It's supposed to be one of the most haunted locations in the United States. We're the first ones to do it, so we don't know what's waiting for us. During the investigation, they were walking through the castle with a local paranormal investigator, a fellow named John, when Nick sees a figure walk right past them. At the same time, John says that he saw a shadow. Immediately afterwards, some of their investigative equipment malfunctions. In addition to this, they also, throughout their time here, experienced being touched, heard unexplained knocking sounds, collected EVPs, and probably the most impressive thing was when they saw a spirit manifest while recording. This is what Nick had to say about that very special moment. Capturing this anomaly, this mist that just appeared in thin air on the camera and just disappeared, that's groundbreaking to me. I've never seen something like that in all my years of investigating, and I'm absolutely blown away right now, but I'm excited at the same time. This is what Katrina had to say. In my 10 years of doing this, I have never seen anything like that with my own eyes or capture it on camera. A few years after Paranormal Lockdown, Ghost Adventures would investigate it too. To this day, it's still considered the most haunted house in Ohio. So who knows, if you're in the area and you're driving through Franklin Boulevard, keep an eye out and look up 
for you may see the lady in black staring at you through the window. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others, you guys. They're equally awesome. Haven't heard every single one yet? No need to cry, my friends. You can binge listen right now by hitting up any of those podcast platforms such as Player FM, Podbean, Overcast, CastBox, Podcast Republic, Pocket Cast, wherever you may roam, to hear your other spine-tingling podcast, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcast lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Burlington, Vermont, Gilbert, Arizona, Chalmette, Louisiana, South Lebanon, Ohio, and Tayport, Scotland. Rock stars, every single one of you, Thank you so much for jumping on the paranormal train and going on the spooky adventure with me. Have a spectacular idea for an episode. A haunted item, a scary location, a bizarre legend. Perhaps you have something spooky you experienced that you would like to share as well. Email me at paranormal.prowlers.podcast at gmail.com. See you next week.